Welcome to Maxed Out Man, helping you become the man you were made to be. Hey guys, it's Kevin Davis from the Max Out Man Podcast. This is episode number 30. I am here with Sebastian Harris. We've already been talking uh, before we started recording. It's been fun already, so I'm excited about doing this. Sebastian is a dating coach and sex coach who helps men overcome their performance anxiety, heal their insecurities in regards to sex, and improve their sexual skills. We'll, uh, we'll have a good time here, and I'm excited to have Sebastian here. He is uh, currently in, where are you? In Europe, Currently we'll say in, an Romania. Und, uh, in Romania, undisclosed location in, in Romania uh, at this time. So, hey, man, welcome. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to talk to you about this stuff. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. I'm excited. So if you want to kind of give me, you know, you I saw on your website, you're like, I'm a young I'm a young guy, um, but I do have tons of experience in this area. You're a certified hypnotist as well, which is super interesting to me. Um, and kind of give me your background a little bit and kind of tell me what you do and how you got into what you're doing now, right? Like this is, this is a, an area that is not taboo, but a lot of people aren't talking about this. Oh, that's a question I can go on forever and ever, but let's see how I can sum that up. No, um, go, go as long as you want, man. We're, we're here. <laughs> You actually, you actually, um, let's say you know about my project, the Sex Education for Men podcast, where I yep. teach men how to be better in bed. But I also have um, my number one first podcast that I actually started in that area, which is the Global Seducer Quickie Podcast. And I'm working as a dating coach for now almost, I would say, 11 years, about something like that, almost a decade um, oh, wow. as a dating coach. And through my work as a dating coach, helping men to overcome their insecurities with women, helping them to approach women, helping them to also, in a sense, heal their trauma, everything that was holding them back from really living their life true to themselves and being the man who then shows up and approaches women. Through that work, I had more and more men come to me who, for example, did certain coachings with me, either it was infield coachings or remote coachings, who then reached a point where they got successful with women. And then they asked, okay, what's now? Yeah, what's I don't know what next? to do. I got this girl. And I don't know what to do. <laughs> exactly. And that was for me really interesting to see how, how I then got more and more of these emails or more and more clients asked me about sexuality related stuff. And because I was in my 20s living out my sexuality in a very, yeah, you can say very extreme way. Um, some of it now also that I actually talk about this on my different podcasts, um, from a place of trauma, which for a long time, I didn't really want to realize where I always wanted to have more women, more experiences, more, more, more. But through that journey, even though some of it was, um, yeah, was definitely motivated from that trauma energy, I then got a lot of sexual experience and a lot of different experiences with different women. Also some women who taught me in a very good way, because for a long time I was not good in bed at all. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed to admit that. And through that work, I then started at some point to think, okay, it's time for a new podcast, for a new project. And when it then comes to the Sex Education for Men podcast that I started a couple of years ago, this blew up to such an extent that I've never really imagined. Like now it's, there are, there are months where it gets even more downloads than my 
original dating coaching podcast, awesome. which was for me, I never expected it in a million years, but I had so many guys and also now married guys, like married guys coming to me, guys who are going through divorces, guys who just started dating a woman, single guys who wanted to be prepared for the next woman they meet. And yeah, this is actually what led to that. And if I now want to go back even more a little bit, like with my own story, I was very insecure um, as a teenager, also in my early 20s, before I then back then invested in the coaching with another dating coach who then became my mentor. And also from a sexual perspective, I was born with a congenital heart defect. So I have scars all over my body from the heart surgeries. Mm. And believe it or not, but with my very first girlfriend for a long time when we were together, I refused to take my shirt off because I was so insecure about my body. And that's yeah, through that journey of then overcoming my fear, stepping out of my comfort zone, developing self-confidence. Um, I then, yeah, became somebody who's now helping men on the same journey or at least on a similar journey. And are you dealing with men? So I assume you're dealing with men internationally, kind of all over the, all over the world, or are we looking at mainly European men? No, all over the world. Actually, most of my clients are Americans. Um, I would say most of them Americans and Canadians, Australians, and I also have, of course, some Europeans, <laughs> but all over yeah. the world. And do you find that the kind of the sexual mores or the, you know, kind of the, the issues, is that universal or is it, is it cultural? Do you find different things in different cultures? You know, cause like they'll talk about the French and, you know, the Italians and the great lovers and, and all of this thing. And, and I'm curious if that's been your experience. Is it, is it universal? Everybody, all men are having the same problems to independent of where they live. You know, maybe it's maybe it's funny that uh, I, as a German, because we Germans are always rated the world's worst lovers. So maybe <laughs> that that made me so so passionate about. It. I'm going to figure that out. I don't want to be a German robot anymore. Maybe um, it's just super super engineered, super methodical. You have like a exactly German like, checklist to follow when, when you come into the bedroom. Where is located? I will find it, and then I will lick it. <laughs> exactly like that. <laughs> And um, yes, yeah, I mean, it's interesting what you say with, with different cultures. I think every culture has their own little thing going on. For example, Germans are often not, I mean, yeah, you have to admit it, are often not the most passionate ones. And they think always analytical, just like I described it a minute ago, um, with where's everything located? I want to have the technicals and I'm going to do it. It's more like the German attitude. Um, the one thing that I really have to say about Americans nowadays, especially younger guys, I mean, they are so brainwashed to believe that everything masculine and everything being a man is bad, that yeah. they have extreme insecurities, a lot of them. Um, about being men, about expressing their masculinity in a healthy way, which I don't see to this extent in Europe at all. Um, but yeah, every country has their different, their different things. And then, of course, there are also men who've been raised in very traditional countries, very traditional backgrounds. Um, and for them, really exploring their sexuality is, is something that in the beginning for them is completely foreign because mm. they didn't even know that you can do that. They didn't even know. I mean, I had clients who really who didn't know from these cultural backgrounds, let's say more traditional cultural backgrounds, who really didn't know what a clitoris is, where it is, what it does. And because those are things that in some cultures, you just don't talk about it. Yeah. And it's just yeah. not something that people are concerned with. Uh, that's that's yeah, that's super interesting that each person, each um, culture would have 
have those kind of, and I call them social mores, which is just, you know, what's normal in that culture. Uh, and I mean, you're right with, in terms of the masculinity thing, I've talked about that with several, a bunch of my friends and even on this podcast that these, uh, these young men now are almost afraid to be men, right? Like that's probably what you're seeing because they're told that, you know, men are bad. Masculinity is bad. They use terms like toxic masculinity to describe, you know, men that do bad things. And, and honestly, they, you know, there are certain parts of that, of that community that, that describe masculine, all masculinity is toxic. So I don't know what you do as a, as a young guy saying, well, if I want to take the lead in the bedroom, for example, does that make me a misogynist or some sort of pseudo rapist, you know, kind of thing? Yeah. It's interesting to, to talk with men from all over the world because um, I had the, the way you just described it. I had American clients who thought that, and for me as a European, this never really this was this is not something in, that's in my reality even to think about like okay if i take the lead in the bedroom that's something bad and oh my god oh my god like it's just it's just not something that's a part of the culture i mean at some point probably everything from the us swaps all over to europe i let's, guess let's let's hope that you guys are safe from that it's just a matter <laughs> for of a while time. i mean it's already starting in a sense but um but also one thing is is really interesting and i would also love to hear your opinion on that because Nowadays, I believe a lot of men have this completely weird idea of what it means to be a man and not just sexually, but of course, also sexually, where they then go to the other extreme and it's all about the jawline. It's all about building muscles. It's all about these external things that make them feel or that, that give them the feeling of I'm a man without ever looking inside, right. without, ever, without ever going that journey inside. Because, I mean... I mean, nowadays we live in a time where, where men are basically using devices to have bigger jaws where their teeth fall out. Like it's some crazy <laughs> stuff going on. And um, just to have that jawline and just to believe like, okay, that's what masculinity is. But yeah, I think it's, it's all important. Th yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just think it's important for every man to realize that true masculinity comes from stepping out of your comfort zone, from learning new things, from, in a sense, in a spiritual way, penetrating. I mean, you're physically penetrating a woman during intercourse, but you have to physically, uh, sorry, spiritually penetrate the world in a sense mm. by stepping out of your comfort zone, by showing up and by becoming the best version of yourself. That's what I truly believe. Yeah, we, I actually just launched a podcast this morning by uh, Dr. Schinnerer is his name and John, and we were talking a lot about kind of like owning your own crap and becoming the best version of yourself. And a lot of that is like, and I've talked about this with, with several podcast versions, is just getting in touch with the masculine side of yourself that is also caring and loving, you know, and, and that. Because in so many cultures, in Western culture today, especially American culture, we're, we're almost told that those things are mutually exclusive. That you actually can't be strong, a provider, Yes. Um, you know, and I consider myself to be more traditionally masculine. I do have, you know, I do work out. I'm muscular. I'm, you know, fit. I'm a provider. I tend, you know, I'm the one that mows the yard, you know, those I'm the one that, you know, my wife and I both work on cars, so that's fun, but like, I tend to be that way, but I also, it, and it was, it struck me. We were just at an event last year, last week, um, and I had several of my guy friends there that I, you know, that I'm great friends with. And I was struck after I left how many times each of us told each other that we loved each other. 
Like, and it, and it's, and it's not like I'm going to caress you on the back and say, I love you, honey. But it's like, Hey man, I love you. You know, when we're saying goodbye or, or whatever. And I was struck by that. Cause I was like, that's pretty cool to have this group of, you know, men that actually express the fact that they love each other and that you're important. That that's an amazing, that's an amazing, uh, yeah. Amazing thing to do, like to have these kind of bonds with other men. And I think it's also what you, what you just said with this idea of um of yes you can be the strong man the strong provider you can be work out i mean i also hit the gym you can do all these different things but then at the same time you can be loving to the to your partner no matter if it's a girlfriend or your wife you can be um, kind you should be caring respectful and i think that's what a lot of men especially younger guys nowadays get wrong they then think okay they have to be those kind of domineering assholes who like treat women like crap and uh, 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 then i'm the guy and i think that's also not the solution or it shouldn't be the solution you can be yeah. a loving caring kind man and at the same time be the masculine man that you are by knowing who you are, by expressing yourself in an authentic way, um, by, yeah, also taking care of your body. I mean, working out, for example, is a big part of it. And by doing these external things, I think there's a combination of it. And this also influences your sex life, especially in a long-term relationship. I mean, in this case, you are definitely the expert on it. You already told me for how long you're married. And this is actually a funny story. I just thought about that. Um, I also had, for example, sometimes women both at the Sex Education for Men podcast and also my Global Seducer podcast, where the women were contacting me and saying, hey, can you help my guy to become more masculine, <laughs> to step into his masculinity, to overcome his fears? Like, like I had that before. I even had infield coaching with guys who were in relationships where the woman said, like, come approach some women. You need to get that out of your system. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to help this guy. No problem. <laughs> so, And again, that was something that I never expected at the beginning of my coaching journey. But... I'm just sharing this right now because women want you to be that masculine man. They want you to, to not see it in these extremes of like, oh my God, if I share my feelings, I'm this little puppy who she will discard at any moment. And to also not at the same time go like, I have to be this hyper alpha. I mean, nowadays that word alpha is thrown around, around like everywhere, which basically yeah. means like, I don't know, injecting substances in your muscles and then go to the gym and go, ooh, I'm the alpha. But it's about so much more. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, because alpha is effectively the leader, right? Like that's all that means if you, you know, yep. if you, if you break that down. But that it's interesting that you say that about women. And I can't remember if I've talked about it on the podcast before, but, but my wife, <clears throat> we've been involved in all female automotive builds. So like literally we're building specialty hot rods and, and trucks and those kind of things. And they're all female. And these are tradeswomen that are kind of, some of them are pseudo masculine. They're, you know, they kind of lean into that as a self-protective thing because they're in a male dominated industry full of a lot of just dicks. Like men are just, not only is it literally dicks, but these guys are just <laughs> These guys are just dicks just to, to other. Did you mean like literally? Or do you mean like <laughs> yeah, I mean it's literally <laughs> and figuratively. But they're just not—they're just not nice men. And so they, these women, kind of have built up a little bit of a pro protective um, posture with themselves. But because I've been involved, and my wife and I have been married for so long, and I treat her in a certain way, they've made comments like, 
to her is like, I wish I had someone that would treat me the way that he treats you. Right. So there's still this like yearning to be cared for and to be cherished and all of those, all of those aspects. Oh, that, you definitely. Know. I would even say, I mean, that might sound a little bit controversial. So it's, I hope it's okay if I say it, but um, the more a woman steps into her masculine energy, either because of her job or what often happens is when she's in a relationship with a guy who loses his frame and who's no longer masculine and she then has to step into that provider protector role which i think no woman on earth is really happy with that to be honest um and the more she steps into her masculine energy the more she's craving like craving a masculine man and being in that feminine energy in my experience and that's something that i actually talked about with other guys too the women who were the most masculine in their jobs are usually the ones who are the most submissive in bed mm. because they want to live out this feminine energy, sometimes even to an extreme. And that's something that I found very interesting. I even had once a conversation uh, with a dominatrix it was also an interesting com uh, conversation who told me that especially the men who, um, who don't have real masculine energy, but pretend like they always have to pretend to be like, overly masculine they are the ones who yeah. then go to the dominatrix to to have this other extreme again it's really interesting yeah the psychology of that is is super interesting and i think now because because gender roles and you know everything is so freaking confused um you know and and it's like it's just it, someone said the other day we're literally living in a south park episode now because it's, <laughs> it's, it's true it's, yeah it's gotten it's so ludicrous that it's just you, you can't even take it seriously but that that's i'd love for you to expand a little bit more on the masculine energy and feminine energy i did want to say that i wonder a lot of times what these i wonder if and you can talk to this this whole you know obsession with pornography that's happened i've had a couple of guests that are we've talked about porn you know and porn addiction and all that but they're seeing more of that, like, you know, I don't know if they call it violence porn or rough or whatever, but it, they're basically showing images of completely dominating a woman in a, in a way that has no uh, emotional connection, right? Whether it's the choking stuff or group stuff or whatever, like it's just, it's unhealthy <laughs> in the way that they're portraying it. Um, but I'd love, I'd love for you to expand more on that feminine energy versus masculine energy, just cause I find it really fascinating. I mean, if you want, we can also talk about that porn issue at the, for, for a moment. Let's talk about both. Let's talk about both. I mean, it also goes hand in hand with masculine and feminine energy. Let's say with the, with the, with the porn, I would say as somebody who was also once addicted to it, uh, as a young guy, um, and having overcome it and also have helped a lot of guys to overcome it, it's it's really important to realize that when you are addicted to pornography for a long time, the fantasies that you're living out through that are not your fantasies. Yeah. And this is actually something that when, when, when guys realize that they go like, Oh my God, you're right. Because they think, okay, I want to see that. But what's really happening is that because of the dopamine response, you have to get a bigger trigger, a bigger trigger, a bigger stimuli, bigger stimuli over and over again. And where it starts with, let's say, quote unquote, normal pornography, two people having sex. At some point, it goes into more rough stuff. Then comes the gangbang stuff. Then comes the 
crazy whatever stuff until at some point and i talked about this with a lot of guys who were pornography addicted and it, and i i had the same experience when when i overcame that years ago where at some point after you were let's say peeling your banana <laughs> and you were looking at the pornography or you were thought you were thinking about what you just watched and you then ask yourself would i ever want to experience that with a woman the answer is no mm. never right and i truly believe it's because of this desensitization of the stimuli that you need because you get used to it. it's just like somebody who's addicted to a certain drug and you need a, a bigger dose a bigger dose a bigger dose and in pornography the bigger dose is more extreme because at some point you can't watch more you don't have that much time but you just need the <laughs> um the, the more extreme stuff and it, i had that with a lot of guys who afterwards who and i made the same experience actually if you would now show me a pornography clip from the stuff that i maybe watched when i was let's say the beginnings of the internet <laughs> pornography mm. um, 10 years ago, I would be disgusted by it. I mean, not, not that it was yeah. something, let's say, illegal or something really bad, but just like this kind of rough, um, emotionless sex, basically, that back then when you're in this addiction is completely normal. You think like, yeah, I mean, yeah, why not? Yeah, I need it. It's okay. And then when you, when you look back at it years later, once you overcome that, you go like, what the heck did I just, what did I do there? And this is a very interesting process and I believe everybody can overcome that because, um, yeah, because especially if you want to live a, a very healthy sex life with your partner, with your girlfriend, your wife, I don't say that you can't have certain kinks or you can't do certain role plays. I mean, I'm a big believer in role plays, but especially when it comes to stuff that is re really completely disconnected from your heart, when it comes mm -hmm. to that kind of stuff. I made the experience that a lot of guys, they're not really into it. It's just something that their addiction basically forced them to consume. And to make that link with masculine feminine energy, um, I also believe that the more a guy goes into, now that we talk about porn, or even when it's, when it's other short-term pleasure things, for example, overeating on chocolate or video games, pornography, all of that stuff, the more you give in to those temptations from society, the less connected you will feel with your masculine energy. Because I believe that in order to have this radiant masculine energy, you need to have a purpose in life. And now I know this is about sexuality, but I think it's even bigger than that. Like you need a purpose in life. You need, as I always say with Schwarzenegger's voice, you need a purpose and a vision and a mission. You need these things because <laughs> If you don't have that, if you're just going into those short-term pleasure things like pornography, which is basically fast sex, that's what it is, um, mm -hmm. without putting in the work, you can never develop this masculine energy. I mean, there is research about it. I'm sure you're aware of that, that whenever a man experiences a win, his testosterone goes up. Mm -hmm. And when a man loses... We had a, yeah, I had a very extensive conversation with a guy on one of my podcasts. We talked about the testosterone response um, to that in particular. It was super interesting. So it's, I think, what Jordan, Jordan Peterson describes with the lobsters, right? When the one lobster loses and the other mm -hmm. one wins or something. That's also like... Um, they talked, he talked about it. We, we, we talked about it in terms of they studied monkeys and, mm -hmm. and actually getting, getting the banana. And there's this whole study. That was a great episode. I, it's already, I believe it's already launched. I need to but it will have definitely launched by this time. So go back and listen to that because we talk about it for like 25 minutes. Um, and yeah, it's super interesting about testosterone levels and winning and, and um, accomplishments. But now do you find in that 
sorry to interrupt your thought, but do you find in that that if because they're they're artificial with pornography and some of those that it actually just screws up that whole indoctrinal system? Totally. I, I truly believe that. And that's also another thing at play. And that's that in the moment when you're consuming it, it feels like you're winning. But right afterwards, you know that you're not. To give you another example of pornography, like let's say video games. And to not take that in a wrong way, playing a video game every now and then, if it's fun for you, if it's fun, you and your friends bonding time together, all good. I'm talking about the extremes of doing it hours and hours where your working life, your dating life suffers. And then while you're in the video game, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm winning. I'm winning. That's amazing. And right afterwards, you feel like, oh, I haven't accomplished anything. And I think yeah, that's that wasn't real. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't real. It's just like, I mean, don't even get me started on virtual reality porn. I think that will lead to an epidemic of men not being able to talk to women anymore. But let's see how that goes. The more realistic that gets at some point, they don't. Even yeah, because I mean, any... it's it's getting it's getting more and more prevalent. And, you know, I. I'm sure, like, I don't actually know this. You may know this, but I'm sure that they have mechanical connection devices that go beyond the goggles now so that you actually have a more physical sensation. I mean, I uh, once, like, I once, for example, tried the goggles um, with it because I was curious and I just threw them away. I mean, I didn't buy them. I was just trying it um, with yeah. some, uh, by somebody. Um, or let's say the goggles from somebody and I was just going into throwing it away going like oh my god that will mess me up if I couldn't continue to go down that path it's really <laughs> it's really so realistic and it's just the yeah. beginning yeah um, but I also believe to go again into masculine feminine energy there's another thing at play and I talked about this actually with quite a few women that women can sense if you have I don't know how to how to describe it, but women can sense it if you're addicted to pornography, for example. The way you talk with women, the way you interact with women, like this kind of this this feeling of it's hard to describe, but a lot of women told me that they can feel if a man has this sexual energy and experiences it with women or if he experiences it with a computer screen. Interesting. And that's that's outside the bedroom that you're describing. That's not even that's not even in a sexual context. Exactly. They have a they have a sixth sense for that. And of course there come all kinds of different problems with that. I mean, how many guys have told me that they're suffering from death grip syndrome, for example? I don't know Where, what that is. That it's basically that you, you masturbate it so hard that now when you're inside of a woman, um, you don't feel anything. Or when a woman is stimulating you, you don't feel it, feel the sensation. You're basically da damaging the nerves down there. Oh, wow. um, and then the guys can't get it up um, or only in certain positions. And I kid you not, and I, I experienced it actually with guys who are addicted to pornography who couldn't get it up with women in bed. And when they saw a laptop or a smartphone without the porn movie running, they got an erection. That's crazy. It's all, con it's all conditioning. <laughs> it's just like Pavlov's dog. Yeah, it's all conditioning. And that's what's so dangerous about it. And of course, when we now go into the idea of like needing more and more extreme pornography. So you're watching a video with 12 models, as I always say, with perfect makeup, fake boobs, bleached buttholes. And then you're in bed with your normal, really good looking girlfriend. And your brain says, that's not sex. Uh, -uh. Mm. That's not 12 crazy porn stars going at me. That's not sex. So whoop, it's not working. Wow. That leads yeah, because there's a, there's a, I mean, it's a mechanical thing, but it's more, more emotional than I think most guys um, realize. And it's just, and that's, I mean, like you, and we can talk more about it, but like that causes, you know, erectile dysfunction. Obviously we're yes. talking about that. There's a premature ejaculation. Yep. 
issue going on. I was actually, um, I, there's a guy named Taylor Johnson, which is actually funny that his last name is Johnson to me, but, uh, cause I'm a, tw- cause I'm a 12 year old boy, but, um, he, <laughs> he is a, a sex coach and sex expert and has courses and all that. And I've, I've, like I said, before we got started, I've done a lot of education for myself. And one of the things that he talks a lot about is by, by masturbating to porn, you're effectively training your system to orgasm as quickly as possible. Right. That's and and your brain is associating, associating pleasure with only orgasm. And so like that's, he teaches a lot about, you know, lasting longer and, you know, multiple orgasms for men and, and all that. But that's, yeah, that's, that mechanics is gets really that's super a interesting. Very, very interesting point. And also I think that's not, I think that's something that I actually give as a homework for, all of my clients who are suffering from premature ejaculation is to masturbate differently. I think a lot of guys, and this goes again in the extremes. I actually, no joke, I actually got hate emails and even some really bad hate emails from guys who believe in the NoFap movement, Mm. who basically wanted me like, how can you say that? Because I truly believe that masturbating is not the issue. Pornography is the issue. You're just Mm -hmm. taking both out of the equation immediately. And then what happens is, which you can actually read about in those NoFap forums where guys go like, my penis hurts. Oh my God, so much pain. And the guys go, oh, just continue. It's good. One year without, it's perfect. And I'm like, no, it's not. I mean, I had a cyst removed in my bladder. I had a surgery down there. And I actually talked with with several urologists about like this not masturbating and said, it's the worst thing you can do for your prostate, for your, for inflammation down there, because that stuff wants to get out. That's the natural thing. Yeah. Cause but there's a study have... that says that if the number is like 21 times a month to ejaculate is actually the, the, the study showed that that's the healthy number for a healthy prostate and, and I'm 50 also... years old. So my prostate is like, you know, just now starting to say, Hey, wait a minute, we're getting older. You know, this is, there's two things as you get older, you can't control in your body. It's your eyesight and, you know, ultimately your prostate, but you can do stuff like, you know, saturated fat and take supplements and all that. But Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it and learning a lot. If you're looking for extra help, don't forget that I do offer one-on-one coaching. We can talk through a ton of different issues. I can give you guides, guidelines, and logistical help to help you take that next step or go to that next level in some of the things that you're dealing with in your life. We also have some course content, some guides, uh, and a lot of educational materials over at maxedoutman.com. For the coaching, go ahead and go to maxedoutman.com slash coaching, and you can learn about that. And then just go to maxedoutman.com for everything else. Thanks for joining us. Now back to the episode. Anyway, yeah, so it's like 21 times, and I, I try to show that to my wife and say, look, you're not doing your part. We got we to gotta work on this. But <laughs> <laughs> Let's do some more workouts here. That's and, right. <laughs> and I think, I think also from this perspective, a lot of guys are like through a snowfab movement brainwashed to believe like they have to somehow, I mean, there are guys in those forums who say like, oh, I have prostatitis, enlarged pain, everything, but I continue. I continue. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, no, the, the problem is poor and not the masturbation. And that's why I tell guys to masturbate. And now we go a little bit spiritual. Maybe for some guys in the beginning, it's like, oh, God, it sounds weird. But it's to masturbate with self-love. Mm. to explore your body as if you were a woman exploring your body, to connect with your body. And I really tell guys, like, just go up and down your thighs, caress your balls a little bit, caress your penis, then again, go up and down your belly, like just as as if you would give yourself an erotic massage. Mm. And 
also in this sense, give yourself the time to masturbate. Like you want to make a masturbation session. And I know in today's fast paced day and age with Instagram and everything, um, nobody has an attention span anymore. But I always use this as an example. How can you imagine to last 15 minutes inside of a warm, wet, beautiful vagina when you can't even last 10 minutes with your hand? It doesn't work like that. Right. But what if you can last 20 minutes or 25 minutes with your hands and you train your body not only to last longer, but by doing that, you also train your pelvic floor. That's actually why this is so important. Because when I had that cyst removed in my bladder, for me, it was important to retrain my pelvic floor muscles to let them grow again. Um, because there are all kinds of urological problems when they're too weak. And mm -hmm. the best thing you can do is masturbation. That's like a workout for your penis in a sense, or having sex, of course. I mean, right now, yeah. let's say if you're, if you're not having a sexual partner. Um, and in this case, it's really important to realize, okay, if I just go like five minutes, bum, bum, bum to a porn movie, you're not giving your body down there the workout on top of that. And I had so many guys who actually healed really healed their premature ejaculation by following this simple advice by wow. doing what I call self-love masturbation. Yeah. And there's, I mean, I don't know, do you teach about Kegels and reverse Kegels and, and those kind of yes. pelvic floor? I also do a little bit from, especially from what I learned since my surgery, I don't recommend Kegels anymore, to be honest. Interesting. I'd love to hear um, about that. Because I remember when I, for example, after the surgery, which a lot of guys have, especially when they're, let's say, addicted to porn, is hypertonic pelvic floor, which means your muscles are too tight. And with Kegel exercises, you make them even tighter, so it can actually backfire. Hmm. Um, how? Because you have to think about it this way. And I always say, disclaimer, I'm not a medical professional. I'm just talking from my own experience as somebody who had a surgery down there. Um, that when you do Kegel exercises, you often press too hard. It's a very unnatural movement. I mean, it's not like, for example, when you lift a barbell, with your, let's say, with your biceps, you also don't train your biceps by, for example, simply pressing it now as hard as you can. Right. It's a very unnatural movement. And if I would do that, for example, now for, let's say, 60 seconds, press my biceps, at the end, I would probably hurt. Yeah. But if I do a normal biceps curl, which is a very natural movement, then I can train the strength. In the same way as masturbating is, in my opinion, already enough with that, because you're doing a very natural movement. Because you're masturbating, your pelvis floor gets, gets, let's say, tense, which in this moment it should be. But it's not like in a, in a, in a Kegel where you go like, okay, I'm going to press, 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 and then the muscle is basically getting cut tighter and tighter, especially mm -hmm. if people don't know about stretching, which most people don't do. I didn't know it. I mean, before I had the surgery, I never thought about stretching my pelvis floor ever. It's like, huh, really? Yeah, I actually, I don't. I mean, I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with that. Uh, Na nowadays, a... I'm doing it every day. I mean, for and me, how do you do that? Perfect recovery. Um, to be honest, I don't even know how the different stretches are called in English. So I'm going to say like, if you go to YouTube, you can just type in like pelvic floor stretches for men. They're like very few basic stretches that are really good for that. Okay. Um, especially when it comes to your calves, when it comes to your inner thighs, like those kind of stretches. And one part of it is also the reverse Kegel that I think you just mentioned, where you basically mm -hmm. let your pelvic floor drop a little bit, which relaxes it. And I nowadays do this combination of masturbation, longer masturbation sessions, and of course, also let's say sex when I'm with a partner, um, combined with stretching. And that helps me a lot. It also helped a lot of my clients because you might even getting hypertonic pelvic floor with Kegel exercises. I don't say that it can't work. Don't get me wrong. I would just be a little bit more careful with it. Yeah. And I, I mean, 
to be to be honest, I think that Kegels, men doing Kegels, you know, it's typically like, well, after childbirth, women do them to strengthen their pelvic floor so that they have better bladder control, right? Like you don't you don't often hear about Kegels, um, you know, in your world, I'm sure you do, but in in most men are not talking about doing Kegels, right? That's so true. it's That's true. Oh, I, I I don't think it's probably something that we have to worry too much about uh, in that in that regard. I mean, I think it is an important part, let's say, especially strengthening of your pelvic floor, of course, for sexual performance, but especially for guys like me who had a surgery, let's say a cyst removed in your bladder or something or prostate surgery, um, for them, it's incredibly important to, to regain that strength again. Mm -hmm. And yeah, especially with male sexuality, I would think it's such a big part of our identity of our life that, um, it can definitely lead to a lot of insecurities and to also go a little bit, if it's okay for you into, let's say performance anxiety. Mm -hmm. I also believe that most performance anxiety is because men, A, watch porn and they think they need this kind of 20 centimeter schlong um, in order to satisfy a woman. And B, they then also have this pressure, put this pressure on themselves to believe that they have to be perfect. Yeah. And what men often forget is um, that women in the same way as men we are all human beings we have all our insecurities mm -hmm. and as men we often make this this wrong you can say judgment that we see a beautiful woman we think oh my god she must be the most self-confident person in the world and happy every day smiling every day and have no anxiety i mean she's a goddess oh my god and to then realize that when you are having performance anxieties or when something is not working to as i always say address the elephant in the room I mean, for example, to, to, to share a funny story with you, um, a true story, the very first model I slept with on my, let's say, dating conquest journey back back in the days, I couldn't get it up. She was so <laughs> breathtakingly beautiful. I just couldn't get it up. I was so freaking nervous. My heart was going like, bum, 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 bum. And I could have done in this moment what most guys do and you go like, oh, you know, normally that doesn't happen. I mean, I don't know what that is. Or even worse. I mean, women have told me that some guys blamed them for it. Oh, wow. But instead, what I did was to simply say, you know what? You're so beautiful. Like, I mean, at the moment, I'm just totally nervous. So how about we just cuddle and kiss a little bit? And she was totally cool with it. And then eventually awesome. it worked. Yeah. So the best thing that or the best advice that I can always give when it comes to performance anxiety, at least dealing with it in the moment, of course, there are different things we can go into of how you can prevent it, how you can heal it. But dealing with it in the moment is to address the elephant in the room, be as honest as possible. And yes, that also means being vulnerable. And yes, it's okay as a man to be vulnerable, to open up in this moment. Um, and if a woman would ever react in a negative way and go like, oh my God, get out of this room. Who are you? It's terrible. Like in this moment, you have to realize she's not the right woman for you. Right. Because remember, women also have their sexual, uh, you can say dysfunctions, even though I don't like that word, but a lot of women, for example, are, especially at a certain age, struggling with, uh, I think the word is vaginal dryness, the expression. Mm. Um, they have their different things and they're also insecure about it. And by being open, by being vulnerable in these moments, you can create actually a stronger bond with a woman. And I yeah. know that goes against this whole alpha mentality that you see on YouTube of never show your emotions. She will leave you as soon as you do it. But if you are with a woman who's not a complete narcissistic uh, maniac, then this is the right thing to do. Yeah, being vulnerable and, you know, it's is super important because that's, I think a lot of times in our society now, 
um, we're, we're removing the intimacy, you know, there's sexual intimacy, right? Like that's the, that's the actual term. And I think we're, we're making those things, um, mutually exclusive in so many ways. And so like the, the intimacy component of it actually should be just as, or more important to the experience than just the sexual release let's put it in you know putting that's that actually something that's very true and that also my my 22 or 23 year old self didn't <laughs> didn't think about but it is very very true it's um and also when it comes to intimacy to to creating that not only sexual bond with a woman but also the emotional bond you need to be a human being for that especially to my fellow germans you need to be human beings no robots <laughs> but yes you need to be human beings because um, a lot of guys, especially nowadays, I mean, there's so much brainwashing going on with if you share your emotions, she will leave you. And I believe a lot of guys get it completely wrong when it comes to vulnerability. They believe that being vulnerable as a man means being a victim. If you, right. of course, go to a woman, and you say, oh, my God, everybody's so mean to me. Uh, why is this happening to me? I'm poor me. That's, of course, not attractive. But if right. you're opening up, that's I mean, I had women literally telling me that the moment they fell in love with me when was when I talked about my heart surgeries and I had a tear in my eye. And that was honest and authentic in this moment. Yeah, that's the big difference. It's about opening up. It's about it's about sharing these struggles with also your partner, especially when you're in a long term relationship. I mean, I had guys who came to me, say, if it's performance anxiety, if it's erectile dysfunction, if it's um, no matter if it's premature ejaculation and they knew what kind of emotional blocks they had. Like if it's something from childhood, if it's something from their self-worth, from insecurities, body um, dysmorphia, body insecurities, all these kind of things. And when I then asked them, have you ever talked about this in the same way as you now talk about it with me, with your girlfriend or wife? In so many cases, the answer is no, I would never do that. Yeah. You, do, you really need to be, it's that being open. It's, you know, being open and honest doesn't mean being weak. That's the, you know, so many times I think that that's, that's associated with those two things. It's funny that you, this is a funny story. I was actually, I actually flew to an event last week. And um, it's funny that you talk about the 20 centimeter penis, which is like 10 inches, 10 or 11, you know, or else, yeah, something in that. But, you know, I, I was thinking, I, so I sat down to go to the bathroom in the airplane, right? And those toilets are tiny. And I was thinking to myself, <laughs> what do these guys do that are just, you know, not above average? Like I consider myself average. And, um, and I'm like, what a pain in the ass to go through life with this huge thing sitting. It's such a, it was such a weird thought, but I was like, I don't, cause you like, they kind of make this like, this is a goal, right? Like this is, this is the thing. And, you know, if you talk, and I'm sure you've, you've had these conversations, but if you talk to like, in my case with, if I say something insecurity wise to my wife about it, which again, I'm, I consider myself average, not that we need to get into anything, but she will say, look, it's perfect, you know? And in some cases it could be like, the the vaginal opening and the vaginal canal can only really handle so much before you kind of and we can talk about anatomy but you bump up against the cervix and actually cause cause pain right like so yeah and i think this is also it's interesting that you say that because it also goes hand in hand with 
again, how men are conditioned with pornography because there are often these kind of videos like, yeah, she's getting destroyed by this huge cock and blah, 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 blah. And without actually asking yourself, is that actually pleasurable for a woman to get destroyed by a huge yeah. cock? I mean, if you have one, nothing wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. We're not shaving <laughs> guys with huge cocks right now. But um, to just to just think about to think about the conditioning that you're facing all the time. And one thing that's also interesting for guys to know, and I've talked with porn performers about this, there are really porn performers, a lot of them. I mean, most of them, I would say almost all of them take Viagra before a shooting. And some of them even inject like really dangerous, harmful stuff. Yeah, they're things. injecting during the day. They're taking multiple, you Which know, is yeah, things of Viagra. When you think about yeah. it. It's not, it's not like, it's not like that those guys go like, oh yeah, oh, 20 people around me in the camera. Oh, I'm ready. Yeah. Often not. Yeah, the and, injection stuff is, scares the crap out of me because it actually destroys the 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 penile tissue over time to where the yeah, fact would, that they they are that. disfigured, they can never have sex again after their career is over, or you know their careers are short anyway, from what I understand. But yeah, it's it's pretty. I can't believe they do it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it and learning a lot. If you're looking for extra help, don't forget that I do offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. We can talk through a ton of different issues. I can give you guides, guidelines, and logistical help to help you take that next step or go to that next level in some of the things that you're dealing with in your life. We also have some course content, some guides, uh, and a lot of educational materials over at maxedoutman.com. For the coaching, go ahead and go to maxedoutman.com coaching. And you can learn about that. And then just go to maxedoutman.com for everything else. Thanks for joining us. Now back to the episode. It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. But it's also, it, it, it shows guys these, these false ideas. I mean, it's just like, I don't know if that's controversial when I say it, but it's just like guys when they go to the gym and then Dwayne The Rock Johnson says, yoo-hoo, that's the protein shake you have to take. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the same thing where you go, oh yeah, that guy's natural. Yeah. Uh, it basically makes people believe these completely unrealistic standards and especially when it comes to sexuality there's so many so many guys who believe they just have to penetrate a woman physically but you have to penetrate her emotionally i mean how many how many couples have i helped by simply saying while you're having sex try to breathe simultaneously hold mm -hmm. deep eye contact like press your bodies against each other really really hold each other make love to each other like thrust deeply not like a jackhammer in a porn movie but deeply and and really feel it with your whole being mm -hmm. without thinking about your emails or your instagram story while you're doing it but really being present in the moment that's why i also believe like um i know we, we jump from topic to topic so I hope that's okay that we do it it's like perfect in freestyle it's way. perfect um i also believe that especially when it comes to performance anxiety, but also I've seen it help with premature ejaculation, with um, with all kinds of different things, also erectile dysfunction. To calm yourself down, meditation is such a huge beneficial thing to engage in, um, especially because I made the experience that a lot of guys who suffer from performance anxiety, they often have very stressful lives, either with mm. the family, something going on, with their career, so their cortisol levels go up and then, down there, nothing is working anymore. It's very similar to type A women who can't get pregnant. As soon as they relax, boom, they get pregnant. Yeah, they're trying so hard to get pregnant. They're trying so, you know, and even performance anxiety, I assume right there in the moment, the harder you try, the 
less hard it gets. And then of course one <laughs> so one, one ex- yeah <laughs> yeah no pun intended. <laughs> then then of course um like every every time you have that experience again it gets stronger and stronger. That's why I for example work so much with hypnosis. Mm. Um, especially when it comes to premature, ejac- premature ejaculation, Jesus Christ, my English today, and also performance anxiety, erectile dysfunction. I've helped a lot of guys with hypnosis to simply s- program their subconscious mind for being relaxed and calm in the moment. That's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things that, you know, just, just kind of being in the moment, one of the things that that we do in particular, not to share too much about my own personal sexual, the, you know, life but it's to actually during you you just stop and just kind of enjoy that embrace enjoy that you know what's happening like i'll you know caress the back and you know all of those things just to kind of rather than just you know going at it like your rabbits or whatever you know actually enjoying and being in in the present moment of what's happening and just really appreciating the gift that I've been given in my bride, you know, cause she's strikingly beautiful and, you know, we've been married for 28 years. We've been together for 30 years. So like, that seems like, Oh, you know, the, the old joke is, Oh, you know, get married and never have sex again. You know, if you never want to have sex again, just get married. And honestly, like I can't, I see these people on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, where the, they're asking these young girls about their body count. And they're, they're like 10, 15, 20, 25. I'm like, that chick is going to have some major emotional stuff to deal with in the next 15 years. But for us to be in this very long-term monogamous relationship, it's allowed us to grow together in a way that would not be possible otherwise. And it's just, it's, it's awesome. I love it. It gets better all the time, which is counterintuitive right to or counterculture to what they would tell you that's beautiful i mean but i mean yeah of course let's say as as a sex as sex coach i'm probably a little bit biased because the guys who contact me are the ones where it doesn't work out in the bedroom and often from the married guys who are happy they just don't say anything so that's also that's also of course true but i believe it's not something that a lot of married guys experience or would you say that a lot of married guys have this after 30 years no, I would say, and we can talk about this in particular, but I think most married men um, don't put in the work, quite frankly, because they don't educate themselves about their their wife's body. They don't educate themselves about their own bodies. They don't understand this intimacy that we're talking about. And so, and then, you know, because, and they, <laughs> I always joke, because like my wife will be kind of, you know, more romantic, like at, let's say 10 a.m., Right. And she'd be like, well, tonight, you know, we're going to, I'm like, okay, so I'm going to do my best not to say anything for the rest of the day so that I don't screw this up for later <laughs> because the chances of me saying something stupid in the next, you know, so it's that emotional component, like having that connection with each other to be able to continue to foster that and make this a, you know, a major part of your life. I think most, I don't think most men get it. I think most mar- married men kind of fall into that trap that it just, we were in a, we, you know, we have sex twice a year and that's, you know, once on my birthday, once on Valentine's day and we're, we're good to go. Just like with this TV show, what was it called? Married with children where every year yep. she comes down, Al, it's time. <laughs> and he was like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly, kind of the opposite. Exactly that, that's like funny that. for sure. But what I, do you, th- go yeah. ahead. No, no, no. 
Please continue. I was going to say, what do you think the top things that most men just don't know about uh, women in particular, but just in sex with within sexuality? And I mean, we can talk mechanics if you want to, because there's not. I mean, make mechanics. You know, there's really, this. There's really this joke for me to answer, which is really interesting. That especially a lot of guys they they throw around the word G spot all the time, but most men don't know where it's located and how to stimulate it and what happens when you do it. Yep. Like it's very rare that a guy actually knows that. So when I, for example, teach guys about that and they then practice it and do it with their girlfriends or wives and she's squirting all over the place, then they go like, oh my God, I had no idea for 20 years, what? Because G-spot is something where people go like, oh yeah, nobody knows where it's located, but it's somewhere. That's an interesting point. Like with clitoris, I think a lot of guys, they, they figure it out quite fast. But when it comes to the G-spot, that's like this kind of, oh my God, where is it? Even though it's very easy to locate. That's from yep. a technical aspect. Um from a more emotional aspect, I would actually say it's a realization, which is an interesting realization, that not every woman and not always is into rough sex. Right. This is something that for a lot of guys, and even for me in my 20s, when I was like in this spiral of pornography, for me, this was like, what, really? Because that's all you see. It's like always about the about the fast, 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 and she's going like, ah. That's basically what you see what yeah. you see in a freaking porn movie. And to realize that they're different. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you want to have like a really passionate quickie and rip each other's clothes off and go crazy at it, then perfect. But not always. And then there are these kind of mismatches where let's say she's, for example, in that mood of like, oh, it's a cozy evening. We just watched a romantic movie with Matthew McConaughey. And now I'm ready for some romantic lovemaking. And he goes like, okay, jackhammer method. Yeah. And then, of course, there's a complete disconnect of how they want to experience sexuality and what, mm -hmm. what brings your partner pleasure in this, let's say, particular situation. Yeah, and I've actually found that if I, I actually get more enjoyment out of her experience than even out of my experience like be you know that I, it, I am goal oriented but in this case like i'm not that's not the ultimate goal but like my goal is that i want each of us to enjoy it you know at a at a very high level and i you know if if she's not into it if she's not in the mood or if she's having a rough day or any of those kind of things i'm like let's just you know like you said let's just cuddle and kiss and those kind and just spend time together because the experience is so degraded not in a, you know, not in a terrible way, but in, in a way that where it's, you know, just more mechanical, let's just go through the motions kind of and thing. Like just don't do it in that case. You mentioned also something interesting um, that I think is also, let's say a problem, especially for guys in relationships. And I have to be careful what I say here, because there are of course relationships where let's say there's a dead bedroom, there's no sexual attraction anymore whatsoever. That's of course one extreme, but then there's also the other extreme with what you just said, where let's say, for example, something happened in her life, a family member passed away or just a very stressful day at work and she's not in the mood. And the guy then again has this reality of, let's say the porn movies and also a lot of these alpha guys on YouTube who then say, oh, if one time she doesn't want to have sex with you, you're doomed. She lost all the attraction for you. And then they go in this other extreme of basically pushing or let's, I mean, everything should be consensual, of course, but let's say being very aggressive, sexually aggressive when she doesn't want it. And then immediately overthinking it and go like, oh my God, has she lost attraction? Which of course is again, complete overreaction. Because there's a big difference between she one day not in the mood or she for five years not in the mood. There's a big difference between that. 
Yeah, and trying to get to the root of the relationship because if it's you know, especially with women, it's not it's not a it is a physical thing, but that's not the primary, right? Like the you know, many women are not you know driven visually like men are. It's there's a huge emotional intimate component to that 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 may that's the problem. Like something's going on in your marriage or your relationship that is actually driving the sexual dysfunction, quote unquote, in in the relationship. That's that's also true, and it's also for women. I think important. Yeah, not so much the the visual, but also the women are very much stimulated with scenarios, with novelty. And I don't I don't mean novelty in the sense of let's say, oh, I'm gonna get another guy, but novelty that you can create. That's why I'm such a big fan of role plays, also using hypnotic languages, uh, hypnotic language, hypnotic language patterns. As a hypnotist, um, when it comes to sexuality, I think it's very very important. Um, for example, I'm in the moment creating a new coaching program, a new eight-week coaching program, where one week will be specifically about hypnotic language patterns. Interesting. Um, influenced actually by one of my clients who might even at some point listen to this episode, you know who you are, um, with whom I, let's say, in a coaching session gave him all kinds of different hypnotic language patterns, and he used it on the girl he was dating. And she just went absolutely crazy. So that's something that guys can also experiment with. But yeah, of course, also going to the root of the problems, if there's a problem in the relationship. But sometimes there is no problem. Sometimes it's really just like, hey, I had a really hard day. I'm tired. And oh, yeah. my God, I just want to sleep. Or you say something stupid like I do. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'll make a comment that I shouldn't have made or, you know, just not been my, my best self. But one thing that I found that was interesting, first of all, I think most men don't really understand that a large percentage of women do not have orgasm during normal sexual penetration, right? So like that's, and so like, if you are kind of leaning on you, yeah, right. If you're, we can describe that if you want. If, if you're leaning into your sexual prowess based on the fact that it, chances are that's what you believe is happening is probably not actually happening. Um, and so that's why you need to learn these techniques like you're talking about where it's, you know, the, the G spot and understanding the clitoral hood in, in its entirety, which actually goes up and down both sides. You can look it up on the internet. Um, <laughs> how that don't, don't go to porn, be careful what you search for, but like you may have to find a medical to, to show you what that actually looks like, because it's not just, you know, but that's actually it, good advice. What you're just sharing there, because to really from a medical perspective to just educate yourself about female anatomy to demystify mm -hmm. the mystical basically because a lot of guys they make a big deal out of it same with the g-spot like oh my god where could it be and i'm like google is your friend there it is <laughs> <laughs> well i took a human sexuality class my degree is in exercise physiology but sexual uh, you know human sexuality was one of those classes and to be able to you know on one of the exams is literally labeling all of the female anatomy and the male male anatomy too and it's <laughs> it's kind of funny cuz my wife will say I think you know my body better than I know my body because she will say, That's a you know, good compliment to give you in, in really certain, you know, certain times she'll be like, Oh, I, I think to myself, I wish he would, you know, if he did this, it would feel, you know, feel great. And then almost telepathically, I can do, I will do those things. And we never have this, you know, we're never actually having that discussion in the moment, but I think men, if they educate themselves on what, and it's individual, right? Like not all women, you, you said the word squirting, 
Not all women can do that necessarily. Not all women have the same um, G spot stimulation and it doesn't, you know, necessarily do for them what it does for other women. Um, some, some women are, can only orgasm from clitoral stimulation, honestly, you know, and so it's important to know your individual partner well enough. And that's why I just, how to me that empty, just sexual, physical experience, like you're missing out on so much. Like the fact that I've been married to my wife for 30 years, for 28 years, you know, she knows me better than anybody else. And I know her better than anybody else. And I have to worry about experimenting with other people. I can concentrate all of my learning and energy and all that on her. I mean, in this case, I truly believe that like when it works for you, then it's perfect. I believe diff like, I believe every relationship form, if it's consensual and if it makes both people happy is, is perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I, for example, for a long time, let's say, had a lot of short-term experiences. Now I'm more into like a, in a long-term thing, and it, it also depends on your life stages. I would I would say. Mm -hmm. However, one big benefit that it has definitely when you're together for a long time is, like you said, you know how your partner responds. She knows what you respond to, and you can also grow and learn together. That's why mm -hmm. I always tell guys. It's not a good, it's not something to be proud of when you only have one night stands. Because most of the time when you only have one night stands, what it means is that the woman didn't want to see you again because the first night sucked. Otherwise, <laughs> she would text you again. It's a that's, simple realization. That's actually, that's actually funny. That's important. That's it, important and it's true, but it, it doesn't yeah. mean that like that you can't have those kind of short term flings or friends with benefits. If that's your thing, then go for it. If it's again, if it's consensual, but remember that you can't get good in bed when you only do it once with a woman, because I mean, let's face it, a typical one night stand is like you're both nervous, you're fumbling, hopefully for the condom, um, then you re and of course, for men, of course, um, you can't expect to last as long with a girl you sleep for the first time than if you sleep with a woman for the 10th time or the 100th time. That's just a fact. That's mm -hmm. our biological programming. There's a lot of studies about that, that when you sleep with a woman for the first time, you often come way faster than if it's the second time, third time or fourth time. So by doing just a one night stand, you can't really, yeah, you can't really grow sexually. It's almost impossible. It's as if you go to university class once and you say, okay, I'm going to go graduate now. <laughs> That's not how it works. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I think this has been super interesting. Is there, you know, I don't know if you want to share anything else that might help the people listening, the guys listening uh, or women, Ooh, like, I, how do you get, how do you, as a, you know, you've spoken to women clients, you know, I would be interested to know how you would advise a woman to approach her guy to seek, you know, to kind of have this conversation. Oh, that's a help. very interesting question. I love that question. Um, for women, the number one thing they have to realize is how men are programmed. And men are programmed and conditioned for a long period of time, for centuries. Man up, boys don't cry, don't show emotions, be stoic. So what you as a woman have to do, and this will actually fix your relationship in so many aspects, not just your sex life. But as a woman, what you have to do is, or what, you, what I invite you to do, is to communicate to your guy that being vulnerable, opening up is not only okay, but that you respect him more if he does it. That's the key word. Because men are extremely afraid, not, not necessarily for you to love him less when he opens up, but to respect him less. And that was for me actually mind-blowing. I still remember that from a woman I was dating. And she meant it. 
like I always want to say, only say it if you really mean it, because you don't mm. want to then, let's say, make him open up and then afterwards go like, oh my God, that's weird. <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> um, but a woman I was dating said to me, like, I still remember that she said, like, Sebastian, you know what? I respect men who are open and vulnerable way more than men who suppress their emotions, because that shows true confidence. And she meant mm. it in that moment. For me, that was like, boom, mind blown. I was like, wow. And if you do that for your guy, you will be amazed at how much you get a guy to open up. This is the number one thing that women can do when they also complain, oh, I'm in a relationship with a guy who's so emotionally unavailable. Yeah, he's emotionally unavailable because he's afraid to lose you when he's emotionally available. Yeah, I like that. That's awesome. Sebastian, I appreciate your time. This has been super interesting. How do we, um, you know, you obviously do sex coaching and I'm pretty much confident that almost every man needs that. So um, uh, on some level. So if, how do we find you? How do we reach out to you? And, and uh, obviously look forward to the new coaching program that you've got going on too. You can listen to my podcast, which is the Sex Education for Men podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, and all the different podcasting platforms. And you can also specifically go to sexeducationformen.com slash coaching. That's sexeducationformen.com slash coaching. And there you can have a look at all my different coaching sessions. And very soon, there will also be my new eight-week coaching program. Awesome. I can't wait. I'm going to check that out myself. And actually I will, I'll put links to your podcast underneath in the show notes too. So I appreciate uh, you giving that out and I'll, I'll have to go have some more listens uh, as well. So, all right, Sebastian, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. If you're looking to really maximize your life and become the man you were made to be, head over to maxedoutman.com and get your journey started today.